Blog Talk Radio.
want to welcome everyone to this episode on uh, Blog Talk Radio. This is the Five Smithstone Network, and I'm Brother Seth. And I want to just thank you for your time tonight, brothers and sisters. Yes, yes, yes. As the song say, <laughs> is it funny that the way you feel shows on your face? You know, I remember years ago, my brother and I used to love this song. And, you know, these songs really have a, back in the day, these songs really have a serious meaning to it. I mean, think about it, folks. Like the song said, let's just look at the lyrics real quick. I just happened to be listening to the song and and uh, looking at the lyrics here. You know, this is what a lot of our young people not, uh, need today. It's just songs that really uplift you. You know what I'm saying? Tonight we're talking about current events, of course. But I just was, I picked this song because it talks about how you're, what you're feeling oftentimes is on your face. It says, any funny that the way you feel shows on your face. Talking about uh, current events and how a lot of us feeling, it is showing on our face. We are frowning. We are looking hopeless, some of us. We are looking, uh, some of us are full of anxiety. And uh, <laughs> it is true that it's on our face. Just like the song say, and no matter how we try to hide, it stays your case, as the song go. goes on to say, now frown and bring your spirits down to the ground and never let you see the good things all around. That's That will preach right there. That's a sermon right there. Every time we seem to let our feelings flow, our luck run out and the wind won't blow. Just having a hard time. Goes on to say, the chorus, but that can't make me sad, just can't make me. Uh, it says, uh, oh, because oh, I've been there before, don't want to go there no more. Won't let that take me, won't let it drive me mad. Again, the problems of this world. Sadness bear no remedy for the problems in your life. While you run your race, keep a smiling face. Help you set your pace. Is it true that a smiling face would help you set your pace? Goes on to say, wish upon a sunny day, and it'll turn to rain. Use the sunshine in your heart to ease the pain. That's true, is it not, brothers and sisters? <laughs> we wonder how our attitude is going down. Is it waking and shaking and safe and sound? Every time we seem to let our feelings flow, again he says, our luck run out and the wind won't blow. But he goes on to say, the lyrics that is, but that can't make me sad, just can't make me. Because I've been there before, don't want to go no more. Won't let that take me down, won't let it drive me mad. Sadness bear no remedy for the problems in your life. While you run your race, keep a smiling face. Life is on your case. Wow. And it finally says, well, uh, actually, the next verse says, <laughs> this is something, though. This is a secular, a supposedly a secular group, but listen to the wisdom behind it. Anyway, it goes on to say, this world can't shake me. This world can't shake me. Bad times can't make me sad because I've been there before. Don't want to go no more. Won't let that take me. Won't let it drive me mad. And it says, you can't shake me. 
you can't you can't shake me the way I feel today. Cause tomorrow I'll feel the same old way. Ain't it funny that the way you feel shows on your face? Anyway, this is just a little bit of the lyrics by Earth, Wind, and Fire, an old song that I used to listen to many, many years ago when I used to get down and out, for real, folks. And uh, this is one of the songs that will lift us young people up and tell us to smile. Tell us to smile. Use the sunshine in your heart, as he says in one part of the lyrics, to ease your pain. And that's what we're kind of talking about tonight. That song is not off topic at all, brothers and sisters. Tonight, what are we talking about, brother Seth? We're talking about current events, Hebrew Israelites' perspective on current events. And that's what's happening tonight, Monday, um, September the 5th, 2022. If you're going by the Hebrew year, Elul, the 9th, 5078. That's what's happening tonight. Brothers and sisters, listen, I'm Brother Seth, and tonight... You tune into the Five Swoon Stone Network, and what we do on Mondays, we try to talk about current events, go through uh, as many current events as we can. Oftentimes, when we have a, a, the panelists in the house, we end up stuck on one or two or three of them. But anyway, tonight, we probably won't have the panel, panel in the house tonight. It would be just Brother Seth, myself. And so uh, if if they show up, if any show up, I'd be shocked because everybody is so busy doing what they doing whatever they do, and they're entitled to do whatever they do, and I'm going to do what I do, and that is create these blogs and, and try to give an answer for the people. And I'm sure wherever they're at, they're doing whatever they're doing, giving the answer for the people in their own way. So we're very busy people, uh, meaning the, myself and our co-hosts and Oftentimes they can't be on, and so tonight you may have Brother Seth, as you had the first two years, as some of you remember. All right, we had some very good times and some very hot, exciting shows, shows that did very well uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically uh, to some of you, and uh, and I do mean physically. A lot of people have heard things. We talked about healing. We talked about uh, health. We talked about a lot of different things that have really been a blessing to people physically, spiritually, mentally, because, I mean, let's face it, brothers and sisters, if we're not helping you with these blogs, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I promise to, to, to the Most High, I really, really, really am serious about doing these kinds of blogs. I really want to make a, 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 a um, impact in people's lives, and, 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 and I want them to be uh, I want them to hear things and feel things uh, from our blogs that uh, we produce uh, and go away into the world and apply the principles that they've had or maybe they just already had the answer and just need to be inspired to use what they had. So that's what we are about here at the Five Smooth Stone Network. So let's get this show going. Okay. That's our little theme music we've chosen over the years. And uh, brothers and sisters, tonight, I want to uh, start off tonight by, first of all, uh, reminding everybody to follow us. It's so important that you follow the Five Smooth Stone Network that we don't get paid. And this is how you can show your love, show your uh, your um 
gratitude in, 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 uh, from getting the blessings that many of you have been getting for years on this network through the various co-hosts and even myself from time to time. Follow us. Just as simple. Also, brothers and sisters, when you listen to an episode and it blesses you, really bless you. Folks, go ahead and share that uh, by copying and pasting the address and where others can be blessed as well, okay? So again, please copy and share, uh, copy and paste to uh, just do it as a message. Like you uh, you text your friends, just go ahead and uh, copy and paste the address of these shows that bless you. Or anytime you uh, at work or on your job or going on a freeway and you listen to the Five Swings on Network and you hear something that bless you, when you get a chance, copy it and paste it and send it. Text it to friends and say, you got to check out this show here, okay? Um, also, we have over 500 shows on hundreds of titles. Uh, what you could do is just simply blog talk radio. You can Google blog talk radio, five smooth songs, and I click on that first result, and you can see over 21 pages of shows, uh, some of which are very informative, very inspirational, very uplifting, very encouraging, very power-packed shows, and uh, some of it's even funny. Uh, you can get a laugh on a lot of our shows. We try to keep it light sometime, uh, but uh, anyway, simply enjoy uh, these shows. They are recorded for a reason, and that is for your viewing, and they are uh, also, um, with them being recorded, you can listen at any time of the day. There's no certain time, okay? Also, brothers and sisters, some of you have, over the years, complimented the show, and uh, I've got a few critiques here and there, but not many. If you want to talk or send me a line of encouragement or or you want to uh, give me constructive criticism or compliment, whatever, uh, go ahead and email me at Seth, S is in Sierra, E-T-H dot M is in Mary dot Turner, like Ted Turner or Tina Turner or whoever popular Turner there is. That's the only reason why I use them because somebody name you'll know. But anyway, Seth dot M dot Turner at Gmail and just let me know uh, your concern, all right? Folks, listen, I want to just remind everybody, all of our shows are dedicated to the pain and the suffering of our people scattered at the four corners. Our people, meaning the Israelite, the Jews, we believe over here at the Five Swim Stone Network that African Americans is one of the lost tribes, just one of the lost tribes of Israel. And so these shows are devoted to that people and other Jews or Israelites scattered throughout the four corners as well. So just know that we're very, very serious. We take this very serious when we say these shows are devoted. They really, truly are. And because uh, we want to be sensitive to the pain of our people that's going through so much. Uh, again, these shows are devoted to the Israelites scattered in the diaspora uh, uh, all over the world uh, going through some of the most horrific pains. We hear you. We feel you. You, we, you may think we don't, but we do. And Blog Talk has let us know that we've been listened to. We're listened to in over 30 countries. And so uh, I know people are listening. And so you're probably thinking we're not thinking about you, but we really are. And uh, all we have to say to the family of Israelites and Jews throughout the world, the true Jews of the Bible, that is, is we have to return back to the Most High Yah in order for him to uh, redeem us, okay, one household at a time, okay? 
You don't have to be under these curses that a lot of these people are teaching. I know the nation may be operating under a curse, and it's really having to do with the mindset now because uh, residue of a mindset, may I ask, because I don't think the Father's behind uh, the nation. He called from the north to oppress us. I don't think he's behind them anymore. And so what's happening now is a lot of us is stuck in the mind uh, uh, that our foreparents had while serving these people from the north. And so what's happening is a lot of us have the slave mindset, the servitude mindset, the oppressed mindset, instead of walking in the newness of Christ and being free. So I do think the Father isn't behind those people he called from the north like he once was. And now there's something called a changing of the guards where uh, the power is available for uh, 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 us to to walk in, but a lot of us is just stuck in uh, the servitude mode that our foreparents have been in. So you got a lot of Israelites stuck with this mindset, white supremacy mindset, uh, of, of of serving and, and, and not wanting to take on authority and uh, not wanting to lead. It's just the sign of a of a servant, really. And there's nothing wrong with being a servant if you're serving the Most High. But on the earth, He called us to rule and reign. So a lot of us is reluctant to take on our rightful responsibilities and lead. And then you got a lot of our people from the north, those that are classified in our world today as white. Uh, and they are not wanting to relinquish the power uh, of ruling all these years. And so there, there's, this, is the, this is what's going on right now. There's a lot of uh, clashing, a lot of uh, uh, bloodshed because they don't want to let go power. And this is what's happening. This is really what uh, what caused a lot of the current events today, all right? So tonight we're going to hopefully talk about, hit that a little bit more harder, all right? So, brother, uh, brothers and sisters, again, I want to thank you for your time. I think we have one co-host in the house. I'm going to go to him at this time. Uh, and that's Brother Elishua. I'm pretty sure he's in the house. Let's go ahead and go to the phone lines and bring him on, um, and uh, and we'll get started. Area code six eight two four five two. Brother Elishua, Israel, is that you? Yes, yeah, just me. I'm having a problem with my phone, trying to get everything. Okay, I'm here. Yes. Good evening, Seth. How's everyone? Well, everything is going really good, man. Uh, just back from vacation, got a, a chance to really relax and a uh, little bit, a lot of driving. We drove from, uh, as you know, uh, uh, I don't know if you. Know, even know it or not, but we flew. I flew to Atlanta to help a friend move to Boston, so we was able to uh, see a lot of the coast, east coast, uh, heading north uh, from North Carolina, South Carolina, North Carolina to uh, what was that? There, Washington, and then through uh, Baltimore, and then to Philly, and then on to uh, even a little bit of Delaware. Connecticut and then on to Boston, Massachusetts, New England state. So it was good to be back, man, and uh, it's good to be back blogging. It's good to hear your voice, man. So uh, tonight is current events. I have a few things in my heart, uh, but I kind of, uh, 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 well, I think I should, should start out. I'm always letting everybody else start out. So today I'm going to be a little selfish to start out with some current events in my heart. And if you want to, you can chime in and talk about them, or you can bring up something new that's on your heart or, or something not necessarily new but something else on your heart. 
So, brothers and sisters, going to be tuning in, uh, as you know, LSU uh, tonight and in the archives, looking to hear what was current and what were solutions given. So tonight, I really hope that we can give some solutions out to the people. I uh, don't know if I gave you the chance, because uh, I'm checking stuff here and looking around. Did you did you get the chance to say hello to the people and let them know how to, how to get a hold of you? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, uh, as I said, my name is Ellen Shure Ellison. The best way to contact me is actually through Facebook. Um, if you need to contact me personally, of course, you can just inbox me instant message me on Facebook and you know, leave a number or what have you, and then I'll get back with you. And you can find me on Facebook under Elishua Elephant. All right. Well, folks, there you have it. I want to start off, Elishua, by talking about something that's really, really uh, bothersome to me in spirit, especially while I was traveling. Of course, some of you have heard me talk about this on this blog many times. So it's not new, but it's something that really kind of uh, irritated me uh, uh, while I was in Atlanta, and that is the prosperity of our people, the so-called prosperity, I should say, of our people. Atlanta is very, very, very encouraging, financially speaking, as it relates to African Americans, meaning we are doing some of the greatest things in that city. I mean, from running airports to running governments to building skyscrapers to the so-called black man, if I could use that term, because some of y'all don't believe we as like to understand. But if you want to see black folks really prospering, Atlanta is the place to go. But I was so, while I was impressed, very, very impressed, by the city, the layout, the cleanliness, the sophistication of it. Uh, I think it have it have stolen the, the uh, Chicago. I used to think Chicago was a classy city because you know downtown it just was so nice and everything. And and there's a lot of other cities I can name, but just thought of Chicago. Seattle is another one. But anyway, that Atlanta takes the crown. And so LSU, I was there and I couldn't help but to see. Uh, uh, eyesore, I'd call it eyesore. I'm sure I'm going to offend people when I say this, but the eyesore to me was the homosexuality. Now, you say, well, how do you know that, Brother Seth? Because there's people, there's things people can do and ways they can behave and mannerisms and, and body language to let you know, yes, I'm gay, I'm proud of it, blah, blah, blah. Not to mention there's certain sides of town or certain neighborhoods, I should say, where they have put the rainbow literally on the street, uh, rainbow flags, I mean, and we're talking about black people, and we're talking about pretty much black men dominating in this in this in this culture. Seem like seem like, so that was something that really grieved my heart. And uh, it's like everywhere you go, there's this there's this eyesore to me. Again, I call it eyesore because it's definitely ungodly. I ain't going to take those words back, so callers, just know that. Um, and speaking of callers, if you want to chime into this conversation or add to current events, maybe you want to skip the topic and talk about something you think needs to be talked about, go ahead and press one of the phone lines. If you're on the phone lines, if you're listening, or through your computer and uh, you didn't call the phone line, you have to call the phone line in order to uh, ask your question, 914-205-5590. Again, 914 
Uh, and if you're in the chat room, go ahead and put your question out there, and we'll get to it as soon as possible. LSU, it really bothered me, man, not to mention some other things, such as the news. All of the news, and I think whoever runs those media, the media in Atlanta is showing up racist because I know white people are doing crimes too, but they make sure they have these beautiful black uh, tele, uh, newscasters, male and female, just beautiful people. They make sure that they are talking and sharing news about people that look like them acting a pure fool. And I mean, it's one news story after another just cut at you, just cut at you. And uh, and I know that news needs to be more mixed. And nobody, there don't seem to be an outcry. But watching the news in Atlanta was very, very, very depressing. It's almost like somebody was trying to muddy up the the, the, the success of that city. LSU, any words or comments on what I just said before I talk more about what I mean? Well, in terms of Atlanta, Georgia, I used to live there, and I was there prior to the Olympics, and then I moved there um, probably a couple of years after the Olympics had moved on, after the Olympics were held there in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, well, to be first, what you say in regards to homosexuality in the city of Atlanta, especially in terms of regards to black people, yes, it is the homosexual capital, the black homosexual capital of the United States of America which means that there are probably, in terms of concentration uh, per population, that there are more homosexuals, black homosexuals in Atlanta, uh, probably in any other major city in the, in the United States of America. Uh, that's been something that has been growing, and it's been growing constantly and dramatically uh, over the last probably five or ten years. And then, of course, as a result of the legalization um, with um, President Obama signing into the act, the um, fair, I think it was called, fair, fair uh, partnering act. Anyway, whatever it was that legalized homosexuality in this nation. So as a result, it's kind of like what was concealed are those who were homosexuals some in the closet as a result of the legalization of homosexuality, and this is actually all across the nation as well, is that they felt no need any longer to hide in the closet because now they are protected by the legality of the state, by law. So you're going to see it in greater manifestation almost anywhere you go, but especially where there are high concentrations of people who are in the LGBTQ community. And Atlanta, Georgia is one that is highly concentrated, almost probably at the same degree as San Francisco in terms of Caucasians. So in that regard... That's just something that's been happening for a long time, and it is saddening to see. It's heartbreaking. And in terms of the wealth of Atlanta, it can be very uh, – the appearance of it can be very deceptive because you have a lot of people and service positions of people of color there in the city of Atlanta. Even in government, the positions that they're in, they're still in, in positions of serving where they're having to serve higher up in government, and as a result, the great mass amount of wealth that is actually concentrated in the city of Atlanta, it's not even black people, it's actually Asian people. If you travel to the most wealthiest parts of the city, you will see that those people are predominantly Asian. And I'm not talking about people who are making, you know, 
eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand dollars a year in terms of wealth. I'm talking about people with a quarter of a million dollars a year annually and up in terms of wealth. Um, the biggest thing of problem with Atlanta is that it replaced the struggle, the fight, the desire for equality and liberality for us as a people. And what happened is that it replaced that with wealth, with material. And that's what many people have actually, in a sense, defined what it means to be free and equal as black people in America. Because, as you know, during the civil rights era, you had a lot of people who fought for civil rights. Well, what they wanted was equal treatment. But at the, at the heart of it, they wanted to participate in this white supremacy, supremacist institution, this white supremacist government, without the penalty of being biased or prejudicial against. Because I think it is ironic that many of our civil rights leaders, many of the entertainers that came through that era, that in terms of matrimony, when they decided to marry, they married outside of the race. And a great deal of them married white people. As I said, I can go down and name the list. Richard Pryor, James Brown, then I can name you politicians. The wealthiest man in America today is married to a white woman. And what seems to happen is that when black men get wealthy, they choose white mates. And when black women get wealthy, literally, it's like a masculine spirit that comes upon them. So what is happening to us as a community, we are being fractured economically within our own community. I'm not talking about from without. I'm talking about this in our community. We are fractured. We're divided. And as you stated, if you, if you take and do a commentary on the condition of us as a people as a whole, it's very obvious that if you go down and read Deuteronomy 28, it reads like a biography of us in America. And I'm sure it happens in other places around the world, but I don't live in other places around the world, so I can only speak for the nation that I live in. Well, that's very interesting. Can you hear me Okay. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, that's very interesting, Ella Shaw. Um, <laughs> but I tell you, it, it really, really, really disturbed me this weekend, um, just being there and, 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 and so close to um, just just what we always want to see for our people. You can see it in, in Atlanta. A lot of them very happy looking. A lot of them of course, I saw begging, um, but I saw mostly prosperity. I saw some of the young men that would live in Fort Worth or Dallas, where I live, the kind of young men you would see, um, how can I say it, selling, or, you know, the body language of a lot of our young people, you know, you know how young people are. But I saw a lot of young men working on jobs that, where I live, they are doing something else. They uh, have a bad attitude about working. What I'm talking about is young people with certain hairdos or certain body language or certain speaking in certain volumes or, or just, just a culture thing. Y'all know how a lot of young people are. You know there's a difference between young and old. I'm just saying I saw all kinds of young people that expressed themselves all kinds of ways working 
I mean, and looking like they're comfortable working, not like they hate it. And that was different for me because here, where I'm at in Fort Worth, Dallas area, a lot of those young people, a lot of young people don't want to work. And if they do work, you see a major attitude on their face, and they're halfway working, halfway want to do it. So that was very encouraging to see the smiles and stuff on all kinds of jobs. And so I just wanted to hit that a little bit, and I want to kind of piggyback off something you said, uh, uh Shore, before I talk about some other things in my heart, and you can bring up whatever's on your heart after we talk about this for a little bit. To hit this a little harder. But I want to also talk about uh, <laughs> uh, as I travel up to – through Baltimore and Philly and especially in the in Boston. I, I never knew this what I'm about to share. I wanna know if you knew this. I was not aware that Boston was full of Haitians. I did not know that. I mean they are everywhere. Matter of fact, Af- African Americans seem to disappear in Boston. And the black people you're looking at, if you look real good, they don't have the body language of African Americans. You know, African Americans is a certain unique. You have to really watch people understand what I'm saying. Some of you brothers, some brothers and sisters. I hope LSU. I think you understand. But you can watch people and not even hear them and tell who's African American, who's not. A certain way we dress, we put emphasis on our tennis shoes. We put emphasis on certain. You know, hairdos, our women, the certain things, they put more emphasis other than other people. So when you see Africans, you can almost spot them. But that Boston tripped me hard because I was not ready to see the amount of Dominican and Haitians in that, in that city. And here's the big thing I was just thrown off by. They was very cliquish. And they almost treated African-Americans like, it wasn't rude, but they all—they were just stuck to their own. There wasn't much dialogue. Many times I tried to engage with them because y'all know I am. I'm a people person, I, especially if I'm somewhere I've never been. I, I engage people. I try to talk to people, and they was very close-minded. It was very clickish. They was very much to their own, and and they wasn't like very friendly. It wasn't rude, but it wasn't friendly. The both the Dominicans and the Haitians. And it got me thinking about, you know, white supremacy and how I think the African-Americans, it's not that we're bad people. We know we're not. Anybody get to know us know we're not. It's just we just extreme of what the media is saying we are. But it's amazing how many white people, the smiles, get the, the service, get the, the love, if you will, and it's just amazing how all of these ethnic groups come to America and they're looking at us cockeyed and they we have to really work hard to get their approval. And even some Ethiopians, uh, I kind of had some just kind of odd experiences with. That really kind of had me feeling a little odd. LSU, you know what I'm talking about? Do you do any of these ring yeah. a bell? Have you ever heard? I know exactly what you're talking about. And not to offend anybody, <laughs> but when Haitians, Dominicans, 
and also many Africans come to this nation. Because of the fact there is an obvious physical distinction between them and us, even white people perceive them differently from the way that they perceive us. Because remember, white folks have had 465 years of conditioning and propaganda to the worst of us, the lowest of us. And a lot of those people have taken on those same attitudes, when in essence they're not aware that all they are is the new niggas on the block. And that these white people, literally the people that be, the powers that be, will exploit them the same way that they exploited us. And then you have a group of those people who are immigrants, so to speak, and that's what they are, and they actually think just the opposite of that. They are people who literally look at us with contempt and say, how could you be here 465 years and find yourself in this condition? Right. Well, that's true. Right in what they say about who you are. Because I can't, it, it, it boggles the mind to, to, to know that you've been here for 465 years. Some of us, we just came across the boat yesterday. And we see the opportunity, we take a veil of it, we begin to prosper. And so what happens is that what you have is you have that pathological curse that's been put up on us, and it is the most devastating aspect about our sojourn, our history of slavery, and that is the issue of self-hatred. Because self-hatred works more, it is more manifest and more operative within our community than it is from without out of our community. It's actually what happens to a people, a people of color, who have come to a nation or a country as slaves, a, a country that is majorly populated by white people, and what you do is you just, you just, you're the next person, the next victim in line to be the victims of white supremacy. Because white is right, black is not right. And so what happens is that it depends upon the backgrounds that we come from and what our parents teach us. See, my, I was raised by grandparents. I wasn't raised by my parents. I was raised by my grandparents. So their values were even more traditional than my parents. And I come to find out that their values were actually more sustaining because I realized that my parents were the people who are now the beneficiaries of civil rights, and my grandparents were the people who fought for civil rights. Hmm. It's like when a slave becomes king. And that's what we're experiencing in our community because we have a lot of our older people who look on our young people with contempt and they don't understand that our young people are just being swallowed up by the culture as a result of what's connected them. And there's two things that have connected them and that's the internet and music. The problem is Seth, that we are people who live in a somewhat oppressed condition based upon our history is slavery. And but many a times as a result of that, we're so preoccupied with that that we miss of the reality that we live on the most wicked we live in the most wicked nation on the planet of the earth. No nation that is now currently in existence has influenced the world for evil under the facade of equal under the facade of democracy, more than America has. So as a result, we live in a nation that is literally imploding with wickedness from within, and it doesn't have any more. It doesn't have many more days ahead of it. 
because things are winding up and we can see all the signs. And I just went to a movie today and took my 10-year-old daughter, my 9-year-old daughter to see a movie, Spider-Man. Movie was so full of sorcery and witchcraft, it was ridiculous. And it occurred to me because I watched that before I walked out before the movie was complete. And it's like the Holy Spirit says, "Son, you can stop looking for it to get better. Because if you're looking for it to get better, you are realist in terms of hope and positivity, but you're not a realist in terms of the scriptures. Because if you look at the scriptures, the scripture says that as we draw nigh, the closer to the coming of His appearing." Things are going to get worse. And you happen to live in the epic center of wickedness. This okay. is the command module for the world. Let me let me let me be devil's advocate here because again a good moderator, a good host, will say what a lot of listeners are thinking. Now there's Absolutely. a lot of black think this is the greatest nation on the planet are you out of your mind people are breaking their neck to come here for the freedom for the prosperity they come here and they was in a war tone environment they come here and they're at peace they go to walmart they go here they go there with the kids everywhere and not a hair on their head is harmed they do not understand what you're saying take it from there well First of all, if they'd actually look at the situations and the nations that they come from, they'd be shocked to discover that many of the conditions that they lived in under that oppressed situation, that oppressed environment, America's the one who caused it anyway. That's true. See, that's, that, 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 that is the complexity with when you are judging or when you are trying to analyze America. Because what America seems and what it, the faith that it gives to the world is that we are the savior. You got a problem, we'll come rescue you. But what we don't tell you, that it is our hunger and thirst for materialism and for comfort and for wealth that is the reason why you're in this situation. It's because we have manipulated your government. And if your government did not cooperate with us and if they had something that we wanted, we just simply went in and took it, which is the situation with Iraq which is the situation with Pakistan and a lot of other places. And so they're not aware of that. All they live under is this facade. It's like a mirage in the thinking that America is the answer for all their hopes and dreams. But they don't understand that when they cross the border, they may get all their hopes and dreams, but like 95% like 90% of the people in America, they're going to lose their soul in the process. See, it's not really uncommon for human beings to seek things of ease, of money, of wealth, that is actually a part of our human nature, our fleshly nature. You know, the lust of the eyes, you know, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. So America is the epicenter for that right now. So people from all around are seeking that because they're not seeking, many of them actually have very good lifestyles in the places that they're from, like many of these Arabs. But what they want, they want that extreme wealth that is promoted via the television and the Internet. Because that's what they're doing. Because they're just like many of the preachers who think gain is godliness. But as I was alluding to, is that we're living in a world that is increasingly more and more and more worldly. And literally, I don't know if I told you about this, Seth, and then I'll it right back over to you, but 
about a week ago, two weeks ago, I think I might have shared this on the last program. I do not recall. I had a dream. And in this dream, I saw two stairwells, two stairways, and they were going up to like the top of floor, uh, pent floor penthouse. When you, have, you know, everybody, you know, for, for those who don't know, the word pent and penthouse means the upper floor. Pent means high, lofty. And there were two stairwells. The stairwell was probably 12, 15 feet to maybe about mm, 10 yards wide. Uh, the other stairwell, it was barely six, it's barely six inches to a foot wide. And there were people walking up this stairway. And this was a contemporary architecture, glass, stone. And if you get to the t- and if we begin to walk up, the part where the, 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 the wide stairwell was made of stone, the steps were made of stone. And it like okay. had iron rails. On the other side, where it was narrow at, it was only made of steel. And it was about six to a foot inch, six inches to a foot wide, and only one individual could take that stairwell together. You couldn't walk side by side with another individual. And when I woke up from the dream, I said, "Holy Spirit, what does it say it should be very obvious? Only the straight and narrow are going to make it. If you don't travel the straight and narrow, you're not going to make it into the kingdom. Because what you all have been linear to." If you go and read in the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, it says there was a time when the Most High winked it, but he's calling every man now to repent. And even us who are born again, spiritual believers, I've been saved for 35 years. And sometimes it shocks me. It appalls me how worldly, how worldly some of my aspirations are, how they're so inconsistent with the Scripture. And what has happened is that we're not being reminded that we're living sacrifices, that our body is not our own. We've been brought with a price. So when people say, I do what I want to do, that tells me right now, you're not in the will of God. Because if you're in the will of God, you don't do what you want to do. You do what he has put you on this planet to do, on this earth to do. And it just amazes me how now we see from the tree of knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of life which is Christ, Hamashiach. Uh, I'm saying now, I put it on people, this came back to me, man. This has been really bothering me, and the Holy Spirit has been reminding me this. When I used to go to church, I mean, when I first well, went to church. Hold, 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 hold on a second, Alex. Okay, go ahead. Yes, sir. I don't mind. Go ahead. Every time you come on, I don't know if you notice or not, but we wind up talking about the church. And I don't mind it because, really, current events, sooner or later, brothers and sisters, is going to find you back at the altar or at the cross or at the, before the most high. And if you don't know that and you're out here living this world and you're calling yourself, because y'all, y'all are going through these current events, y'all, things are happening. The news is affecting your, your, your house. So you, you better wind up at the church. You better wind up in fellowship with the father and in fellowship with brothers. I don't mind talking about the church, Elishua. But what 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 I want you to do, I'm just going to ask you, you go with the Spirit. If you feel like keep going in the road you're going in, I'm not going to stop you. But I notice everything we talk about, you always wind up talking about the church and what it's not doing. So maybe that's what you what you call to do, and, and I can't knock that. But I, I want you to tonight, tie that in. I want you to tie it in. I want you to tie it in. Hold on. What I'm trying to say is the church is the answer. No, you was talking about how the church, oh, maybe so, maybe 
experience that, but it sounds like the church is being the problem right now. But go no, ahead. It, no, it's Maybe. like the moment I mentioned the church, the moment I mentioned church, you, you, you stepped in. What I was trying to take people to, to the understanding is just simply put, is that the reason why we fail, we are not like the white Americans in America. We're not like any other people. And that's the, been the biggest problem is because we don't know who we are. And so because we don't know who we are, we're easily manipulated. We're easily exploited. We're, we're easily to be tempted for this thing or that thing because we don't know who we are. We are the answer That's to the world. That's we true. are the answer. Not them. We are the answer. And now in this hour, the church is no longer the answer. The answer, the wisdom of the ages is with Israel. And we just don't know who we are. And if we ever get back to understanding who we are and our purpose for being on this planet, think about it. When you go read in the book of Romans, it talks about how the world is blessed as a result of us being cursed. Then it says, how much more will the world be blessed at the moment we repent and we are received once again unto the Father? We are the answer. That's a good one. Now, I know that's in Romans. You know that, is that Romans... Four, it's the 10th out of 11th chapter. 10th, okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to try to find that. that. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you brought it up. Go ahead. So what I'm saying is that we are people, because when you talk about current events, it amazes me literally when I saw current events today, what I heard in my mind and in my spirit was the world. Because that's literally what literally we have forgotten that we are in the world but not of the world, that we literally are citizens of the kingdom of the most high God, and that while in this planet we're nothing but ambassadors to represent that kingdom. Our job is to colonize people and bring them into the kingdom of God. But we, we, we downplay the kingdom that we from so much that we make people in the world think that the world is it. It has everything that you need to offer. But you can go talk to some of the most wealthiest, powerful people on the planet today, and though they may give an outward appearance of happiness and joyfulness, they're miserable. Absolutely. They're absolutely miserable. There are a lot of people right now listening to my voice who think that money is the answer to all your issues. It's not. And I can tell you that as experience, because that's what we're supposed to be witnesses. I had not in our head. I literally, I'm not a wealthy person, never been to that, but I literally had given to me at one time and one walk a quarter of a million dollars. And it came to me one day while I was sitting up in my oversized king-size bed, California king bed, sitting in a penthouse living. This stuff does not, it is not the substance of life. I have been rich and I've been poor. I, it is not the substance of life. It is not what gives meaning to life. What gives meaning to life is I connected with one another. It's when we allow ourselves to be instruments and channels of God's love and grace to our fellow man, regardless of his race, regardless of his ethnicity, regardless of his nationality. We just love them with the love of the most high. Amen. And this is, and the reason we've gotten away from this 
It's because this is not being, this is not the primary message anymore. The primary message is not the commission that the Messiah gave to the apostles when he said, go ye therefore and make disciples of men, teaching them to observe all that I have taught. Now the primary message is you're going through, God can deliver you, God's going to set you free, God wants to prosper you. It is a count that the reason that you're going through is because God's trying to get your attention. He's not the author, but he can definitely move his hand. Because all of us have to admit that we grow when we go through things and trials and tribulations. That's what matures. We do not grow in good times. Everybody wants to live your best life. Well, your best life makes you a weak person because you have no character, because you've not endured no trials and no tribulations and stood up in the midst of them. Anybody can say hallelujah when everything is going on the door, eh? What about when you lose your job? What about when COVID-19 hit and you're forced to take an immunization or something that you don't know? For all you know, it could be the precursor to the mark of the beast. And then who do you have to rely on? We are the answer. Seth is the answer. This show is the answer. Heed the word. Christ said, the words that I speak, they are spirit, and the words that I speak, they are spirit, and they are life to those who take hold on them. Back to you, Seth. No, that was very good. And, and uh, when you was talking about if we, uh, if our rejection brings light to the Gentiles, what's going to happen when we walk in the light? And that's in Romans 11. I just want to give that out to everybody, anybody interested. But I want you that was good. And uh, a lot of people will say to you, as they say to me often, that you hate knowing people with money. But I like what happened in the book of Acts when when this one rich man tried to, he saw the gifts of the Spirit, and he went to try to buy it. And and I forget which uh, disciple it was, but he said to him, your money perish with you. In other words, you can't buy this. And I just wish what you 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 just you said a lot, man. And you're so right. You know, we live in a world where a lot of our believe a lot of our fellow saints is intimidated by people with money, and a lot of our young people is calling out us uh, that don't have this kind of wealth. They're speaking boldly uh, against us because we don't walk in this kind of wealth, many of us still punching the time clock. And they are driving better than us. They're wearing better than us. They're living in homes better than us. They're having better benefits. And they're looking at us saying, what on earth can you offer me? And they really, really have listened to enough deceived people into thinking at this point, that this this money, this, these things, these toys is what it's all about. So when they see us coming along talking about something we can't see, taste, touch, and smell, they just can't hear us. But I will, go, I will, I will remind you of what Brother Elishua just talked about, and that is the peace. You know, a lot of uh, if we just sit back and just listen to some rich folks talk about the pain that they what they endure every night, how the emptiness they have. I'm thinking of one gentleman. I know he's a black man, so-called black man, Deion Sanders. 
I remember when he said after they won the Super Bowl, when they, which is the biggest game you can win in football. I remember him talking about that night he tried to kill himself when he was giving his testimony because he figured this emptiness that he was feeling is going to be fulfilled once he won the Super Bowl. He was empty, and he talked about how a lot of times in his life he just felt like something was missing. So he figured, when I win and get that, get that trophy, I'm going to be good. And so on the night after winning the Super Bowl, he felt that emptiness, and he tried to kill himself in this Mercedes. I think that's what he was driving or whatever it was. And he talked about this. He tells it all the time. And he's not the only one. There's thousands upon thousands of well-to-do people that we, most of us, will be very impressed with their uh, resume and, and, and uh, just their wealth. And they've talked about this loneliness or this emptiness that, that just won't go away. And so I tell people all the time, we better learn quick that we are spirits living in the body and that we're not body bodies having a spiritual experience. That's what people think. They think we're all about stuff out here in this world, Elishua. That's what it's all about. If I can just get enough, I'll be happy. You might be happy for a short season because, I mean, there is something to driving a helicopter versus a, a Toyota. There's something about being helicoptered in and helicoptered out and limousine in and limousine out and servants here, servants there, everywhere you go, high security, all those things have some pluses to it. And and, and it is a more comfortable life. Yes, it is. To your flesh, it's more comfortable. To your spirit, it doesn't touch the surface because spirits can only be soothing and filled by spiritual things. So, LSU, that was very, very good. I want to hit a little bit harder that self-hate you mentioned. You talked about it early on. And uh, I, I, I really, Lord, I can't wait to finish this book. And, and I'm not this book is going to change much in terms of the world, but I just feel like there's something in me that, really can explain why sure possible, impossible for us not to have self-hate. It's impossible. We live in a world that is literally manufactured by white people. Even stuff that God did, they are taking the credit. And we believe them that they did something that we should be giving credit to God. They have went and redefined everything so much so that I experience on this earth is literally in the capsule, in the confines of their minds, their fears. We are product of white people, white supremacy, whites in power. We like projects. We like little experiments. If you're born in the West, I'm talking about. We're, we're, we're experiments. And the only way we can break away from white male control is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Foreigners come over here, and all they ever heard was a TV 
or radio, and they just heard white people. And they come over here full of white supremacy as though they've been around white people all their life. They have the same mindset as white people when we engage them because they've been listening to them even in their foreign countries. That's just how mm. evil and powerful mm. it is. You don't have to have no white people around. All you need is to listen to them. Just listen or even see them with your eyes. Just That's all you need to do, just hear and see. A blind man can be a white supremacist. You can see too many images of white smiling and black suffering, body language. That's what the Father is showing me. We are still under those people's grips, even though slavery ended. It really hasn't ended until they stop talking. They have to stop talking. Yes, right. <laughs> it's like in the movie Black Panther. I thought that was so odd when they told that white guy, you know, in other words, shut up. You remember that? Remember yes, when the white guy went yes, to talk to Black that. Panther? And I felt that was so disrespectful. Like, why did, I kept saying, why did they put that in that movie? That was just kind of rude. But it's like, look. I'm going to show you how good God is. While you talking, and, when you just said that, when you just mentioned Black Panther, I've been sitting up here literally for the last minute thinking of Black Panther while you, I'm listening to you. Wow. Because Black wow. Panther, what we saw in Black Panther and why come we went out and we celebrated it so much, do you know what was coming about Black Panther that nobody, it missed everybody, everybody loved it, they went to the movies, but there was something very significant about Black Panther that if we suggested that today, they would call us racist. Why did Black Panther have such, why did Wakanda have such tranquility in it? Well, no white people there. Huh. Yeah, let that marinate. There were no white people in Wakanda. Only people who were in Wakanda were people who were natives of Wakanda. And when they had control over their government, over their power, over their nation, they determined and set the rules, and the rules were not dictated by the culture of an oppressive nation. We would never live like kings, like queens, and be the men and women that we are called to be as long as we live within the borders of the United States. And there is no prophecy in our 66 of the Bible that says otherwise but says contrary. Well, let me say this, this is because a cage. Let me say this because, we just don't know it. Let me say this again, folks. Remember, here at the Five Smith on Network, I can't say it enough. We come strong, we come hard, but it's all love, brothers and sisters. We truly respect and love all people. But Ella Shaw is saying something. This is what I believe. I think white people could live in Wakanda, so long as they wasn't proud of being white. Somebody said, what about black people being proud of being black? I don't think Wakanda people was proud of being black. I just don't think it was even a factor. Let that marinate. I don't even think black people back thousands of years ago even used the term black. I think when our people started 
birthing people with no pigment. It wasn't a problem with color until mankind came along and started saying, you're white, you're black. And this happened around the late 1800s, 1860, um, I think, around Bacon's Rebellion. When it, uh, some people say it started the Spanish Inquisition, but it definitely took off around the beginning of slavery, where they start grouping people based upon color. So this is a very new problem, this thing, race based on color. So LSU says something sounded, sounded really cruel, but it's true. Either people got to live and not even be thinking about color because we all look alike, or when we do see light skin or white skin, we just don't see a different. If I'm, if I'm getting there, am I saying all right? LSU, you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do. And I think here's the thing. When you were talking about that, and what made me think about Wakanda was this issue of that. And actually what brought me to that thought, let's just say you're a pastor, you're an evangelist. And there's a dope dealer that sells dope on the streets where your church is located. And this dope dealer, oh, he's making good. And you want to go down there and give him the message. You want to preach and teach the gospel to him. And you want him to receive that message. And this is the problem that we have with our youth and with other people is that it's real simple. That's why he has to become aware that they are sinners because what happens is that their values will not let them embrace what you're talking about. And when we came over here as a result, when we came out of the seat, remember people, even though we lived in the same country, under the Civil Rights Act, you know, and then they start talking about you know breaking down uh, segregation in the schools. We lived in two. We lived in one country, but we were two people, two nations, one black, one white. And the social issues that we have encountered now that we deal with, this nigger conditioning that so many of our people live with, you know how that happened? Because we took on the values of our oppressors. And we begin to want the same thing to oppress that of the people who oppressed us, losing sight of the fact that that's what they were pursuing when they took us in slavery. So is that a value that we actually should hold and maintain? Because that value in the hearts of our enemies ended up as up in shackles. So it's a big that's problem. Good. And I'm going to read you a scripture. That was good. That was good. Repeat, that. Repeat, okay. that. Repeat that. Repeat that. Repeat that. Repeat that. That was good. Yeah. Repeat that. That bears repeating. So what I'm saying is that we took on the values of our oppressors, and we lost sight of the fact that the majority primary value of the United States is greed. We may see it as a vice, but to them it's a value. That's why come everything you see on YouTube and everything is about how to become a half millionaire, how to get paid, how to get paid without working. Because we do not value life in the sense of community. This nation values money, power, and things. Because it understands that with money and power and things, it can exploit people. 
So while we were idolizing these people who oppressed us, we forgot that it was them possessing that value that led to us becoming slaves in this nation. Because the reason why come there were more slaves in the South than there were up in the North is because people in the South, that is an agricultural community. And they brought us over here not initially because they hated us. They were just lazy as hell. And they wanted some people to work the land and make a fortune where they could sit back on their rocking chair and drink mint tulip. And then when we got all of a sudden got, came out of civil rights, we started pursuing the same value that culminated in our enslavement and oppression. Very interesting. So now I'm going to listen to the scripture. Why did I make a comment and I said, why would it such a distinction between Wakam Wakanda was so successful and one of the main factors that being is that there were no white people there? Listen to the scripture. And Seth Turner, you are the one who brought the scripture to my attention. Jeremiah 16 and 14. Therefore, behold, the days come and say of Yahweh or Yahweh that shall be no more said. Yahweh liveth or Yahweh liveth that bringeth up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And remember, it says, there's no, those days are not going to be anymore. Because that was it, that was done, and we're talking about something else. But Yahweh liveth that brought up the children from Israel out of the land of the north, and from all the lands where he had driven them. And I will bring them again unto the land that I gave unto their fathers. Behold, I will send for many fishes, saith Yahweh, Yahweh, and they shall yeah. fish them. And after will I send many hunters. And they will hunt yes. them from every mountain, from every hill, and out of the holes of the rocks. For mine eyes are upon all their ways. They Absolutely. are not hid from my face, and neither is there iniquity hid from my eyes. And first I will re- recompense. This is what everybody needs to know. And this is what we're coming to. And at first I will recompense their iniquity and their sin double. That's what we're living. Because they have defiled my land and they have filled my inheritance with the talkers of their detestable and abdominal things. But this is before I pay close attention because I'm not making this up. And this is why I come I no longer let white people teach me the scriptures. In the verses 16, 19, Jeremiah, O Yahweh, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction. The Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies and things where is there no profit. And what does he mean, no profit? It does not profit your soul. It profits your flesh. You may live in a $5 million house, but that house does nothing to feed your soul. It only feeds your flesh. And the only reason why can we think that, 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 that why we see a distinction between the helicopter travel and riding in a car is because the value we put on the person and the esteem that we give the person who could be an absolute devil stepping out of that helicopter. Because we don't take on the values of the Most High. We have taken on the values of the Gentiles, and we have taken on people who have inherited lies. You go to the American school system, you are being taught lies. I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but I went through it. 
I went to college. I went to three colleges, as a matter of fact. I even went to college when I was in prison. Oh, he's been in prison? Yes, I have. And when Seth was talking about peace, I recall the days where I was sitting in a five-by-ten-foot concrete steel cell and, and literally compared them to the days of the people that I see in the world, and I had more peace in that cell than a lot of people riding around here in 70, $80,000 cars living in two, three, four, five dollars $500,000 homes. So what I'm saying when I say this is this. The worst thing for us mentally as a people, but it needed to be because it was according to the scripture, according to the prophecy, was integration. Because when we integrated with white people, we took on their values. And our values were not strong enough to override them because the people who wanted their values, they saw the gleam. They saw the wealth. They saw the money. And the value of the spirit of the most high, the word of the Lord in them, was not deep enough to sustain them. But I'm 60 years old, raised by my grandparents. And their values still call out to me today. And I realized that they had a better life 50 years ago than most of the people living on this planet with all your technology, with all your wealth, with all your money. They had a better life. Yes, they did. I believe it. Well, let me say this about the scripture you read about. Uh, 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 First of all, and we're just sharing, we're just talking, that scripture well, before I get to that scripture, let me say this. Ella, sure, you said that I, whites can no longer teach me. I I disagree with that. I, I, for myself, let me just say this. They can't teach me I, the word. I heard, I heard, I heard, they can teach me other yeah. things, but they can't teach me the word. Yeah, I said it's something similar Sunday. And somebody might say, Brother said you said the same thing, but... I actually didn't say quite what LSU just said. I said this. I don't trust white males to teach me anything that relates to black people and who they are or what the father's doing with them because white men, I believe, and a lot of white people really struggle with racism, with white supremacy. And because of that person... They got, they, even if they do tell you something good about yourself, they're not going to tell you the whole thing. Or they may, they may leave some out that really you need. So I don't trust them. Now, can they teach me about health? Well, yeah. Can they teach me about marriage? Uh uh, I'll, I'll just take be careful with that because what they call success, I mean, there's a lot of white people that call success what we call success, what the scripture calls success, or what we think the scripture calls success. So I have issues with white males where it has to do with white supremacy, which white supremacy is going to affect a lot of things. So that's what I was saying in my delivery last week. Having said that, let me say this about something else Elishua said. Surely, he said a scripture that says, surely, folks, this is the Bible. We're not making this stuff up. He he said it right. Did y'all know that the Bible says that? Listen, it says, surely our fathers have inherited lies. Stop right there. He ran through it. Think about that for a minute. 
this is a nation of people. This is more than a nation of people because Gentiles is going to be more than just one nation. This is millions of people saying this. Surely our fathers have, let me just read the whole verse. Again, this is Jeremiah 16 and 19. O Lord, my strength and my fortress, and my refuge in the day of affliction. Again, so he says, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, and my my refuge in the day of affliction. So he's going to his day of affliction, and, and he's talking about how the Father's been his refuge. Now listen to this. He goes on to say, The Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, this is not a few people, folks. Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. One more time. Surely our father have inherited lies. So what's been passed down to them, Gentiles, what they have put pride in, what they call their heritage, our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, things that was just just fickle, not really of substance, vanity, just, you know, like a lot of social media, it's just vanity. And things where there is no profit. And I don't think, like LSU is right, I don't think it just means finances. I think it just means, well, your soul profit. Folks, this is what I think America called whites that are in power is all about. Lies, vanities, and things of which there is no profit. So when LSU has said nobody white can teach me, He's saying you guys has come out of this stock of people. A lot of what y'all believe in is lies, vanities, and things where there's no profit. So I don't trust none of y'all. So that's not as far out as I know some of y'all was thinking. That's in your Bible. That's in your Bible. Folks, that's in your Bible. And if you think that's too harsh what he said, Again, I don't quite say it quite like that, but I understand why you feel that way. Another brother, scholar, his name is Brother Yeshua in Cincinnati, says the same thing. No white man can teach me. So why y'all thinking some of us just hate white people? That's not true. It's like this country is laced with deception. You have to be very careful. And we really, if we're going to be truly honest with ourselves, we probably should say no American can teach us. I didn't say that. But I mean because all a lot of black people are doing is following white people. They hardly ever say something out of the box because they're so afraid. So pretty much what black people are, so-called black people in America, unless they're led by the Holy Spirit, is they're just parroting what whites are doing. Whites is following cultures. The Bible, there's other scriptures that say their dignity and judgment proceed of themselves. Let me find that scripture. Now, who ever heard of somebody just going around 
redefining everything. It says their dignity, because I want y'all to think dignity and judgment shall proceed from themselves. This is Habakkuk 7. Yeah, that's when Habakkuk was crying out to the Father. These folks literally go around and just make up stuff and define stuff and make it the authority. That's what the whole stock market is based off of, what Americans say. Can you imagine somebody creating a, com- a company out of thin air and, and, and talking talking, talking it up to where people believe in this project, believe in this dream, put stock in it, put a lot of money towards it, and it wind up having something that was just a thought wind up causing somebody to be a millionaire, and they could be sitting in a booth at Dunkin' Donuts that, when they create this whole company. And now it's worth a quarter million dollars or, half, or $2 million. This is just something they can do in eight hours. This is stupid. Money based out of thin air, fiat money they call it. So I just want to just, not that Ellis Shore needed me to, because that sounded crazy when he said no white man could teach him. But why do we trust people with so much bad credit? Why would you listen to somebody that all your life have lied to you? Just think about this for a minute. All your life, if any, any lie you ever learned, any time you ever found out something that wasn't true, pretty much came from white people. White people, black people curse. Their black skin is cursed. We find out that was a lie. And just one lie after another, after another, after another, after another. Why? It should be, white people should be saying they don't trust white people. I mean, why? Why are we so gung-ho and listen to any American? We should be we should be very close to saying what LSU is saying. I'm very, very serious. I'm not trying to take up him. We arguing. I don't mind arguing tonight, but need to. But really and truly, we should be more leery of any American saying anything. The people that oppress us, the last thing I'm saying, I want LSU to comment on anything I've said. Al Sharpton says something that is kind of simple, but it's powerful. And I don't normally quote Al Sharpton. You know, I come to respect him, though. But, I mean, you know, I feel like a lot of y'all feel about Al Sharpton, you know, at first. But now I've come to respect him. But he said something very profound. I've been using it ever since I heard him say this. He said, as long as African Americans trust the media, how can we ever be free? <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Mm. Right on, Al. Right on. Right on. I mean, think about it. How can you ever be free? Listen to people that oppress you. You are you stupid? Somebody beat your mama up, beat your her mama up, beat her mama up. They still around. This bully. They beating your kids up, and you gonna let them tell you? who you are, who God is, who they are, what the world is about, that's a fool. Ella Shure, please comment. You're right on it, Seth. You're right on it. And what you just said last, that's the kicker, as some say. Because that's the biggest lie that they told, was about who God is. 
and who God's people is. And if you look at this scripture within the context, I'm a theologian, so I'm very much a stickler for contextualization of the scripture and understand it within its context. The biggest lie that they told the world, which is the lie that Hitler opposed and objected to, the biggest lie that they told was that you and me are niggers. And why was that such a big lie? Because we are the chosen of Yahweh. We are his elect. We are, according to the scripture, his prized Jew. And they told the world we were niggers. And why come this is going to be exposed? Because if you look at it in the context here, it says that when he begins to regather us, they're going to realize who we are. And they're going to realize that they passed us from this generation, the generation before that, and 20 generations prior to that, told them a pack of lies about God's chosen people. That's right. That's why I'm going to say they're going to come at that time and they're going to bow down to us. They're going to come and grab our coattails and say, take us with you, because now we know who you are. And that's why I come the enemy fights so hard to keep us from understanding. That's why come any black preacher who does not acknowledge that we Israel. You only get about two, three minutes before I stop listening to you. Because if the Holy Spirit told me and told Seth and told all the millions of black people who are working up, waking up around the world that we are the true Israel, don't mean to tell me he didn't tell you, he told you, but you don't want to relinquish that power. You don't want to relinquish that seat of beneficiary. That's why you won't tell us the truth. So why should I trust you? Why should I trust anything that comes out your mouth? Because you exist for your benefit and your benefit alone. And this is the reason why we're in the condition that most of the people who succeed in this light, in this nature, in this culture, who are black, they exist for their benefit. Me, myself, my foe, and no more. That's not the way our ancestors and our great-grandparents lived. That's not how we made it. Like I said, my grandparents. My grandparents would take families in all the time and help them get on their feet until they could able to stand on their own. We don't have that sense of community, sense of commitment that, 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 that we had then. We look at the Hispanics and we marvel that they do it, but guess what? They got that pattern from us, baby. They got that from us, but then we start taking on the values of our oppressors. We started living in the suburbs, away from our people, isolated, excluded, behind brick walls. See, I don't Amen. care what I gain in this world. Because what I gain in this world is fleeting. It's like a blade of grass. It's only what I do for Christ that's going to sustain me in the millennium and thereafter. This life is very short. And everybody's living it for the day. We have no investment in the next generation. One thing I loved about you, Seth, when we literally, when we were young and we first got married and then we had our children, is that literally we spent so much time investing and trying to teach our children and lead them up and raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Most High because we knew that's the most valuable thing that we could give them because that's what was given to us and that's what sustained us. It's simple. They lied yeah. to us. Their way of living is a lie. It says that, what the scripture says? It says, shall a make man make, this verse right here that we're reading, the next verse says, shall a man, shall you make God come to yourself? You are no God. You are no God. 
That's what I tell the African people who are into commitism. Alexander whipped your behind all across the eastern seaboard. You ain't no god. Where's your god at now? Huh? Where's your god at now? You don't even recognize that Egypt used to be a black nation anymore. Because people who believed that they were gods came and showed you that they were more of a god than you. And then I hear these, these people who come into the fact that we're Israel, and many of them running around talking about that we're gods, but you can't even pay your rent. And you talking about you God. You live in another man's nation at his disposal, but you are God? You're not God. And to these young people who come with this thing about wealth, I stand toe-to-toe to them. I said, you can keep your wealth. Let me just say this about the whole God thing, because the Bible, Christ was nearly stoned for saying, yeah, God. So I do understand that if we walk in the authority that Yahweh has given us, we are gods. We actually are. We have, we have the same that's authority. Just the point. We're not. Don't walk well, in that. That's the point he's making. So, we don't walk in that. I believe you, I believe you. Yeah. But we don't walk in it. And that's what he's saying in the scriptures, that you're not walking in that. You can't, you can't, that God that you have, it's a seed. It's a called spiritual DNA. It comes from the one who created you. And the moment you disconnect from them, you're no longer a God. You're just a Absolutely. human mortal being that's going to die one day. That's what King David was saying in Psalms. He says, ye are God, you're going to die as mere men. Basically, if you don't obey the Father, that is very good, very good. Well, listen, LSU, I want to take a little break here. I'm trying to put in this break right about 15 after, and so I'm a little late, but I'm going to still go do this break. But, man, I appreciate you uh, sharing the way you're sharing tonight. Obviously, it's what we're supposed to talk about because, um, again, self-hate. We talked about uh, quite a few things. I want to talk about something, and I would love – I got a story for you, man, you're going to really like. Normally, this is something I would talk to you about off the air, but I'm, we're going we're gonna to let – we're going we're gonna to let – I'm going to let the callers in on something you and I be talking about. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the callers in on something I was going to talk to you off the air on when I come back from the break, okay? Uh, something okay. happened in Boston. Something happened in Boston. You okay with the break right now? Sure, sure. All right, again, everybody, you've tuned to the Fossil Sun Network. Uh, I'm Brother Seth. Again, we have El Ashur, uh Israel on the line, and we're just talking about current events. You can't get no more current events than self-hate and uh, uh, what's going on, what we've been talking about. This is current event all day long, brothers and sisters. All right, so we'll be right back uh, after this little short break. We're good.
church today? The church today is engaged in a spiritual warfare. And the battle goes on between the kingdom of darkness and the army of God. And there is no demilitarized zone. You're either on the devil's side or you're on the Lord's side. Now we know that the Lord Jesus Christ has won the ultimate victory at Calvary. We know that, don't we? But our mission, our mission is to enforce and maintain all that Jesus purchased for us at Calvary. There's a lot of things that the devil has stolen away from the church. Health, prosperity, peace in our homes and our communities, righteousness in our government. These are things the devil has stolen. But as the army of God, we're taking them back. Amen. Are you with me? And we're back, brothers and sisters. I want to thank you for your time tonight again. I want to thank you for your time tonight. Ron Cannoli. Talking about going up to the high places. And uh, a song is very powerful. It sounds like he's just talking about praising God and that's going up and that's how you go up to the high places. But he's actually, when he says uh, going up to the high places, he's talking about uh, taking authority as believers, a new authority that Christ has given us, and um, walking that authority. Literally walking as though you're Christ. Literally, that's what it means. And his name means to behave and act as though you're Christ. Obviously, we're not. But he has given us his credit card to go and charge things and to be Christ. To walk in that authority to present ourselves. One thing is to present ourselves before the Father, blameless. With confidence, we're supposed to go before him. While our flesh is out of control sometimes, in in and out of control flesh, uh, we still have that authority. Now, of course, if you don't control your flesh, you can be deceived by sin. And uh, not want to go into his presence at all and not want to use his name at all. But he has given us his name to walk blameless before the Father and take authority over the enemy. And this is what that song is all about. Really appreciate it, uh, that song. Going up to the high places. And also, of course, it involves telling the truth and sharing truth with people. That's the biggest back, back break of these in the high places just to declare what the Father has said, what the Father is doing, what the Father will do. And uh, this this breaks the back of the enemy because he is lying and deceiving, and that's how he has taken control of our planet. So that song, don't take it, don't take it lightly, brothers and sisters. Again, we are going up to the high places. And a lot of what we're talking about tonight, Ella Shua, is just that. Go ahead with what you were saying. Actually, I was gonna. I want to get your final uh, take on what you talk. What you just any final thoughts on what we've shared before the break, and then I want to talk about something that happened in Boston with five, excuse me, four white males. Very interesting conversation we had, and uh, I'll, I'll after you're done, of course. Go ahead, brother Elisha. Anything? Uh, any final thoughts about that first half? I would say is that. Um... I know, oh, um, that time is 9.36, so I know the show is about to conclude. And I would just say that literally, there's a scripture, I think it's in Joshua or in Deuteronomy, and it talks about the sleeping lion and who surrounds this lion. And literally, there are people all around this nation 
born again, spirit filled of the Most High. People who are seasoned. And literally, they're just waiting. And the Father told me, it's no longer time to wait. It's time to get up and be about being about my business. Because the hour is near and the day is short at hand. So the, problem, the, the issue is, to simply put, is that we need to be what the Scripture says who we are. There's a verse of Scripture I, I pulled up here when I said about the fact that I do not listen to men who are Gentiles teach me about the scriptures. Romans 9 and 1. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. The man who is most misrepresented by the church. He is as much misrepresented by the church and by Christianity as Shad Hamashiach, Christ himself. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. That I have a great heaviness and continue sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. None of us have that commitment towards us as a people. So he goes on to say, who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of Elohim and the promises who are the fathers and as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is overall, God bless forever, amen. So I leave this scripture, and there's another scripture, and I believe it's in Romans 3 and 2, and it says that, talking about Israel, and it says, to them was committed, listen to that word, committed the oracles of God. But the reason why can we have been able to stand forth and speak forth the oracles of God and truth and clarity and purity because we were never taught. And now some of us who have pulled away from institutionalized religion, speaking of Christianity and any other religion, and who have just begun to seek the Father, we're beginning to see who he is. And it's impossible for us to see who he is and not see who we are. And I'm telling you, people, the moment we keep stop apologizing for being who we are, as long as we walk humbly before God and man, but we walk in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, the day that we do that is going to bring a change. Why do people acquiesce to accumulation in this nation? Because it's less difficult. It's more easier. It's more difficult to stand up and be a black man, unapologetic. And it's even more difficult to stand up and be a believer, an ambassador, an evil, wicked nation. We are afraid of persecution. But I'm reminded that when I was at ORU, that's what motivated me. Because in the heart of me is a lion. In the heart of the man who hosts the show is a lion. And that's why even when he said, you know what, I'm falling back, I'm through with this. No, the Holy Spirit said no. You be faithful. You be faithful. Because you got to ask yourself how many like you are out there being faithful to the call. How many like you have broken away from tradition and religion and realized who I am in Christ and realized who I am in God and realized who I am in the scheme of the plan of the kingdom and stand that I'm going to declare this truth whether my family rejects me, whether my friends reject me, whether people at my job think I'm strange or weird. The reason he gave you the Holy Ghost 
was not to make you run and shout and dance. It was to be a witness, kingdom, a witness of Christ. A witness, that means every day of your life, every moment of your day, you ought to be a witness of his goodness, of his grace, of his glory, and most of all, of his love. Because when we do that, then we're fulfilling the Great Commission. And then we can know that we will stand with a surety before him that day, and he should say, well done, thy good, because a lot of them are good, but faithful servants. Because I can say, by the grace of the Most High, whether I've had little or whether I've had much, I've never turned away from my commitment to my relationship with the Most High because it is the most important thing in my life. It means more to me than my wife. It means more to me than my children. It is the most, he said that if I'm not willing to even leave them, I can have no part in the kingdom. And so I just ask everybody out here, if Seth bring this show to a close, you have to ask yourself, who are you living for? And what are you living for? What is your life about? When they put you in the ground six feet under, what is going to remain? What is going to live on? I have chosen to give my children not riches because I have not been able to. And even when I did, I realized that was actually an error. But I gave them that which would remain because it says that the word of God endures to every generation. I don't care how wicked it gets. I don't care how dark the world gets. The word of God is still sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the thunder between the soul and the spirit, and is the discerner of the intent and the heart of man. Seth said it sometime ago on this show. The best way to combat and walk above white supremacy is get in the word and walk in the spirit, because then they can't touch you. Well, the who is that's the empty hammer said, can't touch this? No, no, no. When you spiritual, born again, gifted in grace with the gifts of the Most High, as long as you walk in obedience and walk in the authority of who you are in him, if he's for you, tell me who can stand against you. Who can stand against you? Huh? Who can stand against you? Child of the Most High God. That's right. Some of the Most High King and proud of it. And proud of it. Back over to you, Seth. Seth, you on mute? Seth? Yeah. Okay, I think Seth is on mute. Okay. That <laughs> uh, yeah, but that will preach, brother. That that was very good. I hate to come behind it. I almost want to close the show right now. Um I was gonna talk about something happening in Boston, but I just have to just kinda um comment on something you were saying, but that's all good, man. And really, I can't comment on any of it. I disagree 100,000% on that. Um, you know, our life is fleeting, and we don't know when it's our, our latter days. We don't, I mean, our, our last days, you know. We have to live this life counting up the costs. And, and I love how you prioritize uh, where your family is and where your faith is. And, um, uh, these shows are very serious, brother. So y'all heard Ella Shaw, uh, and I and I, I feel the same way. You know, I, I do these shows because I feel like I do these shows for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons I do the show, one of the reasons, not the reason, folks, is 
I know as long as I sow into people's lives with my with certain parts of my life being raggedy itself, I know that if I put out the kind of content that Ella Shua and I have put out tonight, many of you are going to be blessed because we weren't just talking or just complaining. Uh, we was putting the truth out there. We put the scriptures out there, a, a proper perspective on a lot of the scriptures many of you have heard. And many of you really need to consider some of the things we're saying. I know some of this is new to you. Uh, and uh, some of you may be a little offended, but think about what was said. We have got to get to a place where we start trusting and listening to people other than the same people that's been lying to us day after day after day, year after year after year. I was, I'll go ahead and share this story, LSU, about these four gentlemen in Boston. I was talking with four white males in Boston that was out sharing the gospel, talking, talking, witnessing, sharing. And they was talking about how uh, they was having a hard time with our people because uh, um, not only they knew why. And I let them know that the reason our people can't hear you it's because of what you represent. You represent the enemy, the, who they call the enemy. You represent the system that's put them in this atmosphere. We was at a public storage place, and this kind of a neighborhood that was not quite hood hood, but there was a lot of low income housing. There's a lot of housing that was decent too, but a lot of the whites, so-called blacks was giving these four white men out there sharing the gospel best they knew how. They was giving them a hard time. And I just say, listen, number one, you got to disarm them. If you want to share to them the goodness of Christ, you got to disarm them. Number one, you got to let them know that you're not better than them. You got to, you got to, Basically, I was trying to tell them to reject the white supremacist system. I didn't say it to them like that. I said, they see you thinking you're better than them. They see you not genuinely loving them. If they knew you genuinely loved them and you saw them as an equal and you wasn't talking down to them, you could talk to these people all day long. Because truth of the matter is a lot of them believe more in you than they do some of their own people that look like them. And I was just talking, they was looking, and I asked them, I said, how many people y'all talk to? How, what's the percentage of success rate of y'all's uh, to follow Christ? And they said, well, we may talk to 100 people. We may reach one. I say, your method is ineffective. I told them you're ineffective. And they looked shocked. My friend, David Cash, he looked shocked that I even said that to him. I said, y'all are ineffective. I said, you're ineffective because you're not reaching them. You, you're just not, you got to come on their level, not necessarily try to talk black or nothing like that. And I and I shared with them what I meant about coming on their level. I talked about Ella Shore in Cincinnati. I saw these guys, we was on this, what you call a prayer march. I was a part of a prayer march where we was walking and singing and praying and uh one of the people in the prayer march came upon these guys shooting dykes. 
And I mean, it was some money down on the ground, and they was really at it just in the middle of a dice game. And this black woman, so-called black woman, elderly woman, went and stood in the middle of the dikes and the money on the ground and started stomping the money in the dikes. Ellis, can you believe that right there before I go any further? Can you please somebody actually did that? Uh, if you said an old black woman, yes, I can. I was raised by one. She was, she was this, really five foot one, and she was the biggest and strongest person I ever knew in the world. Yes, and... This lady got in the middle of this dice game and started stomping on top of the dice and the money and saying, God is not pleased with this. God wants something better out of your life or something along those lines. Man, I said to myself, because this Cincinnati, these folk will shoot you. They're not like people in Dallas and some of these suburbs where you hear gunshots and, and you know. No, you hear a gunshot in Cincinnati, you're going to hear the ambulance right after that. I mean, these people was not playing. This is a rough neighborhood we was marching in. And she did that, and these hardcore dudes, some of them had pistols on them, I'm sure. They just looked at her and just kind of stood up. They kind of stood up and kind of laughed it off. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And I was explaining to those white, four white guys why she was able to do that. It wasn't because she was black. It was because what LSU just said. She was an elder, and they interpret that as a loving person. The fact that she was saying, God wants something better for you, she, that was a love move. And you'd be surprised to know how many older ladies can go off into that, uh, that environment like that and grab those boys like they're kids, literally grab them. It's all kinds of things you can do to so-called thugs if they know you really genuinely care about them and love them and don't mean them no harm. They was looking at me like their eyes about to pop out of their head. And I was just telling them, you might think you can accomplish that as a white male, but you can. You just got to talk. You got you to gotta understand who you're dealing with. And, you know, because they got all these preconceived thoughts about you that you got to get rid of before you can talk to them. And it's for y'all too. I said y'all probably want to probably want to break up. You know, for y'all. The first thing, the first thing they need. The first thing they need Go to ahead. do mentally, and I would tell any preacher that if you're going to be speaking to a black audience, if you feel the Most High has compelled you to witness to people who are black, the first thing you need to do before you do that, go divest yourself of white supremacy. Because until you divest yourself of white supremacy, we're not hearing you. Because we know that you benefit from the very system that oppresses us. So what that means, that means you're double-faced. You're two-faced. You're going to benefit from a system that oppresses us, but then you want to come to us and tell us about the gospel, but then you're not doing anything in your own life to change the existing reality Absolutely. of what our lives are. So you've got to have this yourself in white supremacy before you come talk to us. Because I that's not, we're not going to believe you're genuine. I told them, I said, you've got to denounce some things because they got all, they're they going to look at you and say, y'all probably, you know, born with a civil soon you have to, and I said, if you did, just say, you know what? Hey, brother, brother, you don't have to be talk black. I said, but just let them know. Yes, I was born with the final things in life. Yes, I enjoy white privilege. Is it right? No, it's wrong. I said, that's why I'm out here. That's why I'm, I'm, I, I, I turned to Christ because 
I don't like the system I was born in. I don't think it's fair. I feel like y'all should be able to go to school. You're going to have to talk like that. I told those four guys that I told them. You got to denounce the system. You got to just let them know I'm no better than you. There's some things you guys do better than me. There's some things you can teach me. You got to say things like that. And they was blown away. They thanked me so, man, I could tell they wanted to hug me at the end. And they said to me these words, listen, Zilla Shul, we're wrapping to show everybody. Again, we thank you for tuning into the Five Stone Network tonight, where we have myself, of course, uh, uh, Brother Seth, and, and Brother Ella Shul Israel coming at you again, talking about current events, y'all. And um, speaking of our, uh, of our show, don't forget on Thursday we'll be coming at you with an open forum uh, with um, even more co-hosts. So, Ella Shul, this is uh, something they said to me at the end. They said, you know, it doesn't hurt to be nice to people. They said, at least you talk to us like we're human. And the fact they said that tells me them black folks are giving them a hard, so-called black folks are giving them a hard time. And I just let them know. And they looked at me really sad, like, you know, at least you're treating us like we're human. And then we gave them $90. These people actually help you move and, and so forth. So we, we they do it for free. And what we did, we just gave them $90 for them. I actually didn't, my friend did. And uh, they were thankful for that, but they weren't doing it for the money because they looked like they didn't really need it, uh, to be honest with you. But they were so thankful that we was, showed them love. And so uh, you just never know. Uh, again, folks, they don't have to be out there sharing Christ. You know, these young people can be doing all kinds of things with their life. And I give them points for being out there sharing Christ. I don't care if they were white or whoever. And I let them know that it's a good thing you're doing, sharing Christ. But there's a lesson to be learned out here as well, you know. There's a lesson to learn, you know. It's something for y'all to learn too. So anyway, LSU, any final thoughts on that? And we'll wrap up the show on the show itself. Um, again, appreciate you, brother. But I just had to share that with you about that that happened in Boston. Those guys were really beat down by our people. And I let them know yeah. you've got to uh, uh, disown uh, the, the wickedness that you represent when they first see your white face. And you got to understand what your white skin means to, our, to some of our people. And, and I said, don't worry about violence. Nobody ain't going to harm you. I said, they're going to harm each other more than they harm you. I said, so, you know, they'll hear you if they know you, you care, genuinely care, and love them. Don't don't fear anything happening, y'all. And so they looked at me very, very like I really said something. So I just wanted to just share that with you. Normally I would have called you and talked about that after the show or something, but I would love to know your two cents on that, and let's move on um, and close the show. Well, I think that you, that what you did was very good, and – that that was something that ministered to them, and I'm sure that it will continue to minister to them in the days to come. And one of the things that they need to understand about the fact that they receive rude treatment, whenever I hear especially white people talk about that, I tell them, I say, well, imagine you will a man who left his earth, who left his heavenly estate and came to a place that he created. And be took on the flesh of a human, a lowly human, and was beat, mocked, spit on, persecuted, and hung on a cross. 
and pierced in his side and left to die. And what was his sin? He loved mankind. Hmm. And so I would say that when you think about suffering, that anger that you hear from those people, that's 465 years of suffering. That's 465 years of being, of being treated like anything other than a human being. That's 465 years of having your family members ripped from you. That's 465 years of going across seas to fight wars and then came back home and was treated like not a second or third, like a fifth-class citizen, literally like an enemy. I said, so when you witness that anger, you got to understand that that anger was not created in a void, but it came from someplace. And the reason I can speak on it with such passion is because sometimes I feel it. I feel it. And I have to call on God. I have to call on Yah. Because I can feel that pain. I can feel that oppression. When I see women and black men and women in their 70s and 80s and they walking around here hustling, and I realize that they live in an environment that's the wealthiest place on the nation, on the planet. So you got to understand, don't come and think you're going to go out there and it's going to be all happy and they're going to receive you. Just like they spit on Paul, beat on Paul, and stone Paul. Get ready for it. This is the gospel. This is ministry. This ain't your white stone churches. This is the real deal. And that goes the same Man. thing for us. So with that, I mean, I have to always feel like I always do. I thank you for this opportunity because I do not take it lightly. And the reason I don't take it lightly, because I know that this gives me an opportunity to speak the elect of God. I don't mean to look down and demean nobody. I love everybody. I've went to integrated schools all my life. Seth would tell you one of the groomsmen in my wedding was a white man I love with all my heart. My mentor at ORU, who really poured wisdom into me for four years, was a white man. I know who they are. The problem is, y'all don't know who we are. So may God bless you, keep you. That's my prayer. And I mean that with all my heart. And we'll talk with you, and I will be talking with you all with Seth this Thursday. Until then, hope you have a wonderful week. Well, LSU, appreciate your gift, brothers. I say so often. I appreciate you, man. Anytime I hear you see you on the line, I know we got a I know we're gonna have a good show and so I appreciate you. Folks, and while I'm at it, I love every single one of you and there's nothing you can do about it. See you Thursday. Phone lines are limited. All right, going to go out with Phil Driscoll, the people of God. This is the words of this song. This is my heart. This is what I really desire for the body of Christ. We ain't hating on nobody tonight, y'all. It's just tough love. Good night. See you Thursday. From all over the world, people are beginning to come together to join hands and to give praise to our Lord. From every denomination, we are breaking down the barriers that have kept us apart for so long. Together, we are all members of one body. Because of the blood of Jesus, we have now become the people of God. Will our lips let us say one confession? Will the hearts hold to one truth alone? Cause he has erased our 
transgression He's named us and called us His own His very own Where the people of God Called by His name Called from the dark And delivered from Yes, we're flying. 